Hello, and welcome to Cubicle Confidential, weekly advice for the working stiff. I'm Chris DeSantis, and let me introduce my co-host, starting with ease, the entertaining, the exciting, and the amazingly energetic Mary Abijay. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I am energetic, and I'm feeling energetic today. Aww. I am Mary Abijay, and I have the distinct honor of introducing my co-host, the electromagnetic, the equitable, and people, the last I heard, the eligible, Chris DeSantis. <laughs> <laughs> the still- Eligible. I mean, Chris, if we can't get you some dates, some loving yeah, from yeah, a podcast, yeah, yeah. So, an international podcast, I don't know what will. I know. And send in current photos. Yeah. And you're going to have to like, <laughs> in one episode, you're, you'll have to come prepared to give us your specs. What is it you're looking for? Like, we oh, need yeah, age yeah, range. We need looks. We need education jobs. Like, you need to br give us your specs. Okay. Well, breathing. <laughs> I think we're done with the list. <laughs> Geographically, like relevant, like you got, you got. I'll coach you through how to create your your spec list. Oh, that's okay. All right, that's an interesting episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, let's find some. That's, that's a good one. Actually, send us uh, your worst date experience. Oh, I love that. We'll do a love episode. We'll do it for love. February for Valentine's Day. Oh yeah, there you go. All right. Okay, write us for that. All right, awesome. All right, well, anyway, this is an interesting episode, by the way, in its own way. This episode's all about culture. Ah, culture, culture, culture. Yes. culture. You're so culture. cultured. So it's an interesting question, but first, but you get there. What is it anyway? What is culture? Well, you're talking it, about it, organizational culture or like... Well, that's an interesting... Because some of these questions go around that, mm. but at the same... Yes, but I, I think we are talking about organizational culture. Do you have a working definition of what you would say organizational culture is? Or? Well, I could be eggheady, but I'll leave that to you. So I'm going to do the the layman, street man's yeah. uh, or street woman's or street person's uh, name for culture. Mm -hmm. And that is the way we do things around here. Uh, and uh, those are right. like... Uh, you know, of course, they're like um, embedded norms that we teach people either consciously or subconsciously in our organization and that we expect people to uh, adhere to. I think that was a very clinical well, definition. I thought that was thought really that was clinical. Good. Thank you. Yes, it was really well done. And because I, I also tie it to that, the who gets rewarded yeah. shows you what the evidence of culture is. Yeah. You know, so so because it's not really written in a policy, it's sort of like an iceberg. It's below it's the below. water. Well, I could give you the the eggheady Edgar Schein, who I don't mean he's eggheady, he's brilliant. Uh, who yes, is, which good. says that culture is created by the underlying assumptions the founders have about survival. Yeah. Oh, I love Isn't that. that great? It is a founder issue yeah, too. It is. That's well, that's great. where culture that's starts, right? And I love that whenever I say that to my clients, they're like, wait, what? I go, it's the way we do things around here. And like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I, I've read his books and, and it's the same thing. You say, okay, now what, what would a, a normal person say that? How would a normal person say that? But, oh, by the way, speaking of culture though, because you're, you're a founder too. I am. What's, of how two would you describe, or even can you describe the culture of CareerStone, so this which was, is the consulting firm that Mary runs. This was a great question. So initially I said, I would describe it as a quote, I got this culture, meaning that mm -hmm. we we take care of business here. Um, but And then 
Um, our clients describe us as being fantastic. Um, mm. But then I thought, well, who am I to say what our culture is? So, Chris DeSantis, I reached out to my team via text and I said oh, to them, I did, and I oh. said, give me three words that would describe our culture. And I told them anything, it just has to be honest for you. So, Courtney describes the Career Stone culture as being supportive, positive, and engaging. Mm. Robin describes it as being informal, hardworking, and fun. And Kristen says it is client-centered, smart, and energetic. Wow. I think they're well, all right. And I love- I think they're all right. And I th- love that they were all, like all those all kind of speak to the same sort of thing. So no one was way off in left field. And I don't, I, I feel very proud that that's what they feel the culture is like. I think those are Yeah, good I like it too. Well, I also like that there's some diversity within how they view it, yeah. so, which means that the clients see this diversity as well Yeah. in terms of what you value. So that's a nice range. How would you describe the culture at ChrisDeSantis.com? <laughs> you mean, how would I describe myself? <laughs> how would I describe myself? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That would be, uh, again, I think it's more about, that's an interesting question because it's not culture when it's a person. You're, yeah. you're really yeah. talking personality. Yeah. But to your point, Personality informs the culture. Yeah, That's the founder issue. So we are a, we are a reflection of uh, of what any organization we would be responsible for. Yeah, that's yeah. so you know so culture. I love it when I get contacted by um, uh, founders who are about two or three years into their business and they start to think about the culture. And I think that's such a great time to really start thinking about the culture. Um, right. So I always enjoy that. I love it when they're thinking about that. So anyway. It's an interesting. Well, this is going to be interesting in the sense that some of these questions, I, as as I was looking at them, do relate to an organizational culture, and then there's another layer of culture in terms of uh, the cultures, like the United States versus others. You know, so I thought we're going to be so, doing some onion work, unpeeling some onion. layers. <laughs> Isn't that a shine thing too? It is. It is actually yeah. a good point. Yeah. That's yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. right. Well, that's, that's exactly how he calls it. Look at us. We're, we still remember our schooling. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. We're smart. Okay. You ready for the first question? I am ready. Freddy. Okay. Here we go. Mary and Chris, I'm a fan of your podcast. I haven't listened to all of your shows. So if you already had this question... Uh, then, then just tell me in this in the episode. Well, okay. Well, well let's we're going to answer it anyway. Yeah. I I I work at a life sciences startup in Charlotte. I have a new research assistant who is getting on everyone's bad side. He's just too damn direct, and he doesn't even know he's offending people. He'll say things like, "This was poorly thought out. Your idea makes no sense," or "Your work area is sloppy." This may not sound bad, but he's saying it to senior scientists and directors. It's like he has no filter. I should point out this is his first job in the States as he is a transplant from the Netherlands. Is he fixable? And if so, what do I need to do? Signed, looking for a little Dutch comfort in Charlotte. (laughs) I had to look up that term. That's an actual term. Oh, it is. And this is also the Dutch uncle. Um, yeah. Well, there's that term. Dutch comfort means deriving comfort from the fact that things could be worse. Yeah. And a Dutch uncle is somebody that it will take you aside and tell you the straight on truth uh, about what you need to do or not do. Like they are like the truth tellers. 
So you would send oh, a Dutch good. uncle to deliver some bad news. The Dutch uncle gives it to you straight. So, which means you gotta love the Dutch. I mean, Chris, let's be honest. Doesn't part of you, when you heard this question, doesn't part of you wish you could be this guy? That you could literally walk up at someone and yeah. say, that idea was poorly thought out. Or it's oh, a mask, clean it up. Like there's part of this that I was like, oh my God, I wish I could do that. No, I I, I see this I, I, exactly. There was some, uh, I envy his sort of uh, ability to be direct. I know, right? To, but, but the consequences are there uh, yeah. as well, you know? And so, you know, I think, so first of all, I think that he does need, I think he does, I think he should say something to him. I was going to say need yeah. to, but he really should. And you're going to say, you're going to say something to this person because you want to help them be successful. So I mm -hmm. want I want you to be really clear seeking comfort uh, that you are going to give this feedback or this advice or this guidance because you want to help Dutchie uh, be more successful. <laughs> and uh, you know, part of this might be his nationality because as we just kind of were joking around, the Dutch do tend to favor a more direct communication or, or maybe their workplaces are more direct than maybe an American one. And part of this might be be his personality, you know. So there are some personalities like the D's on the on the Myers on the desk that are very direct. Uh, so you could use either one of these angles as sort of like a framework for sorting this out. So as with any feedback, you're going to try to be kind but thorough and state your intention is to help him. And you know, you might use you know. So you might start by saying, you know. I'm sure that uh, you may not realize this or whatever, but one frame that would really be helpful, whether you go at it from a personality or a nationality uh, angle, is the intent versus impact frame. So, oh, right? So, like you know, that. talking about like, I know your intention is to be a good colleague, this or that, but here's the impact of your directness. Uh, and let him see the gap between... Uh, his intention and the impact that it's having. And I think once you put in that frame, it's a frame that's not, it doesn't embarrass him. It doesn't make him a bad guy, but it could be mm -hmm. a nice frame that'd be like, oh, wow, you know, I guess it never occurred to me that people might take my directness uh, in a way that wasn't intended. So impact versus intent. I also think you could help him find some better language. A lot mm -hmm. of times it's just about having the right words to say you're sh it's messy to be like, huh, would it be possible to tighten this up? Or, huh, that idea is interesting. Can you walk me through how you thought mm -hmm. through it? Like help him get some language. And you could also um, suggest to him, my third idea is to suggest to him after you have this conversation, he, you could also encourage him to say something to the rest of their the team. Something like, you guys, you know what? I realized, I didn't realize until, you know, so-and-so told me that my directness was a problem or that, you know, my directness was causing consternation or whatever. I'm going to work on not being as direct. I didn't want to offend anybody. Uh, so, you know, help me if I say something that comes across ouchy, then let me know and help me like say it the right way. In other words, you could say to the other team members, so, how how can I tell you that your idea was poorly thought out? <laughs> mm -hmm. No, like, I like how I like can that. I say that to you so you wouldn't be offended? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, he's he's soliciting their advice on how he can yeah. give them advice. Exactly, exactly, or say things. So those are my ideas. I think they're all great. In fact, I I don't have much to add here other than I, I will elaborate a little bit because 
when you start out there is there's an interesting book on this cultural differences by uh, called Organizations and Culture by a guy named Gerharst. I'm not going to pronounce it correctly, but it's a very, it's and he looks book. at six base, pardon? It's a great book. Yeah, he looks at six basic dimensions. There's egalitarian, hierarchical, you know, those are difference, masculine, feminine difference, individual, collective, long-term, short-term. But well, in this case, uh, the, so Mary already hit this. It could be either the, the cultural difference or it could be personality. So both of those, some, and so some languages, as Mary indicated, are, are, are sort of biased towards direct versus indirect. I think our young expat is direct to a fault. Uh, I don't know if we can cure him of his directness, as Mary indicated. I, I think it's possible to tamp down the phrasing. That's what Mary, that's what Mary uh, really hit on there. I think you have to sit him down and walk him through a few examples of what he said and explain the consequences of his present choices. So can you help me? Uh, how, how can we rephrase poorly thought out? Or even can you? Um, this idea makes no sense. Or uh, how would you say your work area is sloppy without walking away feeling offended that you heard that? And each of these can be said in more of a non-judgmental tone. Now, why do you do this? Again, this is a cultural distinction, but it might be tied to the personality, so you got to tread lightly. You got to tread lightly here, I think. While you find his direct uh, uh, refreshing, I do too, being the subject of his judgment doesn't tend to build great relationships. So, uh, with him, you know, with his colleagues. So, how would he, I guess a question I might ask him is, how would he like to be seen by them? And then if he decides he doesn't care how he's seen by them, then in fact, I don't think we're going to see any incentive for change. And then you got to ask yourself, will either the team accept this or is he a good match? Yeah. So, and that, you know, that I, I think our, 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 um, Answers are really perfectly aligned because how you want to be yes. seen, what kind yes. of impact do you want yeah, to have? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I think this, I actually don't think this is as delicate of a conversation as you think it no, is. Because he's direct. He's, if he's, as direct, he's direct. Is he direct. He's direct. Yeah. And, you know, and I think, I really think you could go either way towards personality or towards nationality. Uh, but I think having one of those frameworks and the intent versus impact or how do you want to be seen, how they experience you, I think this is a pretty easy, easily, easily thing to do easily done thing and i think you'd be doing this guy a great favor i do too but uh, again uh, one one cautionary note here uh to quote heinlein he is a stranger in a strange land yeah and so he might oh i see feel, what you're saying oh, yeah my, you see yeah, like yeah. oh whoa what have i done here have i broken some you know you know american taboo or whatever so he he won't have the reference points yeah. that, so in that sense i would like us to be Con cognizant yeah. of that. And it might be something where, you know, this is something if you brought in a facilitator like a Chris DeSantis or Mary Abjay, we could totally like do this like a little team alignment oh, yeah, around this. Because yeah. this is really fun because then everybody gets to say, you know, here's how I think I experience each other. And like, you know what I mean, just do a, a whole yeah, personal yeah. No, communication process. By the way, he has something to teach people. Because what you know what he really brings forward? Honesty. Yeah, he does. He does. And, and you don't want to tamp down honesty. You know, I had to go grab my book because I love the book you were talking about. Yes, this is a good cultures and organizations, the software of the mind, is it? Uh intercul intercultural cooperation and supports for survival. It's the software of the mind, yeah. So yeah, this is one, this good. is a great book, people, if you ever want to, and the dimensions are so interesting. Uh, so it's good. really great. It's a really great framework. And, you know, you could put those dimensions on individuals as well, not necessarily. Yes. It's almost I like, so it's almost like the PI index of, of, of cultures. <laughs> yes. No, this is a, I think it's a, it's a little bit of a read. Let me yeah. just tell you, it's not for the, it's not. 
But it's also I like would, you could sort through just the different dimensions and like almost read yes. it like around. Anyway, all right. So I think Dutch Comfort, I think we sorted that person out. If you have a workplace question, hey, people, we're here to help. Email us to info at cubicleconfidential.com. We'd love to hear from you. Are you ready for our second I one? I am. Cece, are you familiar with day trading? It's when you buy and sell securities in the same day. It's a high-pressure business, and here's and here it's dog eat dog. It's Glen Gary, Glen Ross on steroids. <laughs> no one helps anyone, and it's and it's like someone except oh, and it's like everyone except my boss is hoping you screw up. Okay, that doesn't mean my boss is all warm and fuzzy. She's not. If I have a bad day, she belittles me. When I have a good day, nothing, not a word. I know this sounds awful, but I like the actual work. It's challenging and fast-paced. I hate the environment. Is there a way around this toxicity? Signed, ABCing in LA. ABCing. Always oh be closing. Oh my God. You know, that's always from, from uh, Always Be Closing. Yeah, always. That's yeah. from Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. This All right, guy is, so uh, what's fun. your favorite line? By the way, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, listeners, you've never seen it, run it right away. Amazing. What's your favorite line from Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross? Uh, first place, a Cadillac. Second place, <laughs> steak knives. <laughs> first place, Cadillac. Second place, a Cadillac. Cadillac. Second place, steak knives. My favorite Steak-like. line is when, I can't remember which character, was. I think it was Jack, Jack Lemon says to Alex, Bal- Alex Baldwin's character, I'm sorry, what's your name? And Alex Baldwin looks at him and says, F*** you, that's my name. <laughs> I've always, that's good. I've always wanted to say that to somebody. F*** you, that's my name. Um, all right. Uh, so uh, let's go back to ABCing in LA. First yeah. of all, I don't know if people still day traded, but I guess they do. Uh, but I guess he's working for a company, so it's not like he's sitting in his, his home day no, trading. No, I think he's working for somebody, that, so they must be giving him some money. Yeah. Um, so you know what? I'm going to say this. <sighs> this is not that uncommon in these types of businesses, in these yeah. high-pressured sales businesses. Uh, I'm not saying it's good. I'm not even saying it works because I don't think it's very effective. Uh, but I think it's fairly common. Uh, so here's the thing. You really aren't going to be capable of changing the culture. You're not, as one person, you are not going to be able to change the culture. You might, might be able to influence your boss around culture change, but that's a big might and a long haul. So basically, I'm going to give you my Buddhist advice, which is you have three choices in difficult conversations. Change it, leave it, accept it. So again, you can't change the culture. You're just one person, but you could change your expectations around the culture and how you are framing this. So, you know, the tax, you know, are you framing it as toxicity or are you framing it as tough? Are you framing it as that? Do you care what people think? Like, so you have to kind of get your own mind wrapped around how you are viewing this, this situation. That's the only thing that you can actually change about the situation. Now you could deeply accept the situation and be like, well, you know what? I'm making tons of money. I love my work. I'm just going to accept that this comes with the with the territory. And when you accept something, you have to do it without rancor. You have to do it without regret or remorse. Like just be okay with it. 
Not recommending that, just telling you it's a choice. And then your third choice, quite frankly, my friend, is to just leave that job. Try to find another organization that does the work that you do, uh, but be, but take better care about learning about the culture before you go into it. I am sure that there are probably a handful of similar organizations that have a better culture. It will always be a competitive culture because that's the nature of the work. Uh, but perhaps you can find one where there's a little bit more support from leadership and a little bit more camaraderie. Yeah, I think you've said it all there, Mary. I, I really, what thing I didn't think about, and I love the way you said, is that reframe the, your situation. Yeah. I think that was, that's very useful advice because based on what a little I can find, the, the short answer to this is look, no, they're not going to change the culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, what everyone drives, what drives everyone in this scenario is money. Money, 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 money. Money, money, money. And the difference between you and them is you wouldn't mind. You wouldn't mind if people were a little nicer day to day. This just, uh, the crowd doesn't see the utility of that and your boss doesn't see the utility of that. Now, the good news is, since it is day trading, um, um, all you need is a track record. Yeah. That's all you need. And uh, to Mary's point, uh, once you establish yourself as a winner, at least somebody who makes more than loses, uh, you can shop yourself around. Uh, and that would be my advice if the if the reframing doesn't help you. I would ask, though, in terms of this, re- I would do some informational interviewers of people in, in other firms who do who do what you do and don't talk to their bosses, don't talk to the recruiters, because that's the that's the they, they have a very different uh, expectation setting than the reality. Talk to them and say, "How do what? What's goes on in your day to day? What's it like there?" Yeah. And if you see a tonality difference in terms of how they're saying this or what they're saying, that's a place you might want to think about. Yeah. I, I, but my theory is, you're not going to find a lot of love any of You're not going to find a lot of love, but you might find better management. But I love your idea of starting to talk to people who work at different yeah. firms, different organizations, and really find out about the culture. And you know, some people might say, "Well, you know, maybe when the boss moves on or gets promoted." But what happens in organizations like this, like that culture? Is is really embedded. And so, yes. you know, the next manager is probably going to have learned his, her, or their management style from this manager. And it's just, it just doesn't get better. Um, so you have to be really careful. Unless you're working in one part of the organization that has bad culture and the rest has good culture. But I think that, I don't think that's the case here. Well, you know, another thing I hadn't even thought about till we were talking about it is, because you, you triggered it when you said reframing yeah. is, why don't you throw yourself into this? And why do you have to? Th- yes. Why not? Why not? Why not embrace being a dick for a while and see what it plays out? Because it's a role you're playing, and allows you to get all of that frustration that you might feel in any given day out in front of you, so that at the end of your day, you probably are a nice person. <laughs> oh my God! I can't believe you just recommended or suggested someone become a in the workplace. But you know what, Chris yeah. DeSantis? I kind of like it. <laughs> it's yeah, an option. I, I can see it. It's an option. It's an option. Yeah. And, and you just test the waters. Yeah. You might say, okay, I'm kind of enjoying this role. It is not who you it's are. It's like a Dr. It's Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing. Yes. And you're just playing. Yeah. You're just playing. And every day you play it. I think that's going to be fun for a while anyway. Oh, that's funny. That's a good, that's an interesting idea. Look, we gave this guy ABCing in LA. We gave him, he asked for steak knives. We gave him Cadillacs. <laughs> That's great. If you're enjoying the show, please let us know. Give us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends to tune into Cubicle Confidential. All right. One more time. Are you ready for our last question? One more time around the old Ferris wheel. With feeling. Ready? 
Dear Mary and Chris, I know you can help me. I'm working at a hair salon here in Baltimore. When you walk into this place, you'll be impressed. It's very modern and slick, but as soon as you sit down, you notice the look doesn't match the behaviors of my colleagues. Foul language, yelling, dirty jokes, and even gum chewing. In a word, crude. I'd love to, I love that. in a word, crude. I'd love to be able to do a makeover, like uh, that restaurant show, but how do I get them to entertain the idea, let alone do it? Signed, every day's a bad hair day in Baltimore. <laughs> Oh my gosh, oh, this is such a great question. So you know, there is a reality show about salons. What was it called? With, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Tabitha. To, Tabitha. She was fantastic. Um, yes, I like that, that show because a friend of mine called? watched I can't remember, it. But that was really fun. Tabitha takes over. Tabitha was that what it's called? Uh huh. Um, that was such a great show. So you know, this one's kind of a tough one. I mean, it's an easy one to answer. It's going to be tough to do. But I have yeah. a couple of things I want to say about this before we I actually get to my answer. And one is, what's your position on the gum chewing? Me or her? You. Oh, me? Me? I, I don't think anyone should chew gum in public. Uh, you and my sister Stephanie Abjay need to like hang out together. Steph and I don't really care about gum chewing until my sister taught me how awful it was. And I don't really chew gum. Uh, but she, my sister- oh, I think it's good for you, by the way, oh, when you when, if you can't brush your teeth you, or anything. Like. You can't be in the same room or on the same street if you're chewing gum with my sister Stephanie Abjay. She will find no. you and make you spit it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put it on your nose. Yeah, That's well, what we to own the, the Toledo Lounge, if anybody walked in, like a staff person or a customer, she'd literally put her hand in the mouth and say, spit it out. <laughs> she banned gum chewing inside the whole bar. So I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, but I'm with her though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just a now, and I don't really think about it. I never thought about it until then. And now I hear someone smacking gum and it drives me crazy. Oh, um, all right. So, so um, uh, this might require... Uh, a bit of delicacy and perhaps a little bit of an overt, I'm sorry, a covert operation. So mm. I think that you, in order to fix this, and I agree it needs to be fixed, uh, you are going to have to get the owner or the manager to see this as a problem. Uh, because without them seeing it as a problem, it can't get fixed. You cannot align culture without the support of the powers that be. And for mm -hmm. them to take action, it looks like they need to think that action needs to be taken. So you're going to have to get them to see it's a problem and then help them create mm. the vision for what it should be, what the culture should feel like, what the climate should feel like. But they're not going to, you know, a lot of people will go to vision first, but <clears throat> I wouldn't go to vision first because mm -mm. I think you need to go to problem first. Uh, so the key to seeing them see as a problem is always about Money, M-O-N-E-Y. Mm. And this is where my covert, my covert mm -hmm. operation begins. See if you can't, quote unquote, find uh, some bad Yelp reviews or other uh, negative comments about what it is like to be inside the salon with the behavior of the mm. other stylists. And maybe or maybe or you get a few complaints, quote unquote complaints from some of your clients who are raising this. I say this because if you can bring some data to be like, oh my gosh, you know, manager, boss, owner, uh, there's three Yelp comments about um, 
about how, you know, our stylists are behaving and some of them aren't coming back and I'm afraid, you know, and so I asked some of my clientele and they say mm-hmm. it's really bothersome. So you got to show them that this is hitting them in the bottom line. And then right, once like they that. acknowledge it's a problem, then it's the work of creating the vision for what you want the culture to be or what you want the climate to be, which means identifying the behaviors that are acceptable and unacceptable. You can do this as a team. You can have the owners just do it and then present it and train people, hold them accountable. Like, But it is about identifying the problem first, then creating the vision, and then identifying the behaviors that are acceptable and unacceptable, and then people will be held accountable. Wow, I thought that was very thorough. I really, I really like your approaches to this. I thought uh, involving the the knowing that the owner has to be deeply involved deeply. at the very beginning, and giving the owner a reason to be involved, uh, saying, "Look, this might affect the bottom line," and then only then do you start designing as to what you want to be yeah. versus intentional in that way. I think that's a great way of doing. I came at it a little differently because uh, the Tabitha thing sort of drew my interest, yeah. you know, because t- t- I watched the show. It's this woman who comes in, uh, this uh, sort of a, a bottled blonde, and she's very assertive, and she comes in and she just tells these people in these salons, you need to fix this. Yeah. This isn't working. She's now, the Dutch pay- guy. <laughs> yeah, she's the Dutch guy. She's the Dutch guy. And she does a great job of this. They don't like it, but- They cry. But, so, but I do think that the solution might ri- reside in the actual show. So what you want to do, in my oh, view, fun. is I would get- I would get a season's worth of the show and then turn this into a campaign that enlists the support of your colleagues. My point here is have wine and dines and then during the sh- then just a few of your friends over a- at a time show an episode or two of this and then talk about it over dinner and say how does this compare to our own salon? And then let them start to talk about what their own issues are around that. And then you say, oh, my God, if Tabitha were doing this, what would we do? So in that sense, you start enlisting them from the perspective of they start to notice, oh, we can change who we are if we so choose. I love that. So I, th- I think that's one approach. The other thing is, uh, you, and you mentioned this earlier, is that um, it has to, a lot to do with the clientele. It might be that the, the particular clientele enjoys that's the true. That's choice, true. It enjoys uh, the foul language. So, uh, so I think it, again, you have to say what's in it for the the management to do this. And then, so if you don't see any reviews that highlight this, then I don't know if that's going to change at all. Yeah. Uh, but you might I, be I, I an want- under. You might have. You also might be an underperforming salon. So you might yes. have. You might be underperforming, and the clientele you have likes it, but it's you're not able to actually maximize because yes. of this. So it's really- well. That was my third yeah. one. Okay. My third idea was look. You got to find other salons in Baltimore. Actually, I would go to D.C. because there's a market. There's a step up market relative to that. Okay, everyone in Baltimore more. now hates you, but keep going. <laughs> no, meaning that you you want to go to the highest end of the marketplace yeah. and see how are they doing it? How are they presenting themselves? And you want to go in a stealth capacity. Yeah. You go there with the owner, you look it over because what you really want to say is, okay, they're, look at look at how they're carrying themselves. And then you would say they're charging Two seventy-five for what we charge seventy-five dollars for. They have now upmarketed themselves. So if we want to upmarket ourselves, we have to do some of these That's things a great idea. to get some of that. That's a great idea. And part of that upmarket is how we how we behave inside our salon. Exactly. And you know, so you got to find us that. And right. the other thing I liked about this question was uh, there's a mismatch between the 
culture that is trying to be presented through the physical layout yes, of the salon I, and yes. the actual behavior. And I've always been very intrigued by organizations that have a, a, sort of a um, an exterior uh, an exterior like presentation, but their right. interior culture is misaligned. And I think that is a recipe for failure. I yes, think your no, interior think your culture has to match what you purport yourself to be. I think that's a really good point. And I don't but we again the people they outsource these things. Yeah. So what they do, they have the it's like they're recruiting brochures. They're always idealized versions of who they actually are. So they set yeah. up these expectations that aren't matched when we get there. All right, bad hair day. Was, you know, yeah. if you can pull this off, it, it's going to be a really interesting ride, and it could really help. It could really help up market and make your salon more successful. So good luck with that. Speaking of bad hair days, Chris. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> Every day for Chris uh, is a no hair day. Um, all right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that to be mean, but I was no, just trying no, to find no. a funny I have way hair. out. It's just migrating. It's just migrating. <laughs> <laughs> and you cut it so short that it's hard to see yeah. it in, on this camera. Uh, all right. So, everybody, thank you for tuning in today. Uh, thank you to Jack Edinger, our amazing, overworked, underpaid producer. Uh, uh, if, uh, <laughs> I was trying to make a joke about Jack's hair, but nothing's coming to me. But <laughs> I don't think Jack has ever has bad hair days. No. No. no, no. He's a good egg. All right. If you have a cubicle question, a cubicle dilemma, uh, give us a shout. No question is too easy. No question is too hard. And you know, there are lots of ways to reach us. You can email us, cubicleconfidential.com. You can tweet us, cubicleconfide1. You could find us on LinkedIn, Chris DeSantis, Mary Abajay, or you guessed it, Cubicle Confidential. Uh, and until we see you next week, we want you to work hard. We want you to be kind. And we want you to what, Chris? Go up market if you can. Go up market. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time.